Here we have episode 120. When did you start caring about how you look after your body? Maybe never? How old were you when you started behaving in a particular way? Getting a lollipop to cheer yourself up? Going out for fast food to celebrate? Coming home from work and having treat foods or a glass of wine to handle the stressful, tiring day? Or eating KFC or McDonald's because you were just too busy? For most, we were kids. We were kids or teenagers when the toxic habits developed and as problems in our life have only grown in size over the years. The thing that we get into on today's episode is about those that will inevitably become another version of you. Our children and our teenagers, because they look up to you, they model their parental figures, and with the way food and nutrition is in the 2020s decade, we are absolutely giving them the perfect foundation for disease very early in life. And so, on this episode, we dive deep on how to support kids to have healthy habits from a young age so they can live a full, healthy life. We know that the current generation of kids is the first ever that is predicted to live shorter lives than their parents, and this is directly correlated to the relationship they have with food and nutrition, of which you guide them on every single day. And I'm certain this episode will be a great tool in that arsenal. So, let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode of the show. It's my mission to coach and transform 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that they've always wanted by the end of 2021. Today's show is going to be great if you've got kids or you're thinking of having them because of, or, or of course, you've got grandkids. So I was asked by a number of my group coaching clients to find a diet nutrition expert for kids, which you think would be pretty easy, but uh, actually it turns out not so much. They're not, they're not as abundantly around as you might expect. Um, and a lot of conversations I had, people were really hesitant to touch that topic. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. And so sometime in the middle of 2020, I was invited to this networking event event and the theme was Health Professional Week and that's where I met today's guest and we connected there and got talking and boom, I knew we had the man for the job when talking about children's health and nutrition. So, um, And he's also got a podcast too, which is super exciting and we'll link to that in the show notes below. So let me introduce you to Mr. Anthony Harcher, who is a clinical nutritionist who specializes in mental health, children's health and body transformation. He is a firm believer in treating the whole person, ensuring all aspects of well-being are addressed and supported, which, as you all know, is the primary method of healing anybody from anything to treat the whole person holistically. We're all about it here on the show. Anthony's passion for health and wellness started as a kid reading health magazines, books, and fulfilling a sporting obsession, which I can certainly relate to having a teenage sporting obsession like most young lads, I would imagine. He is constantly striving to grow through continued learning, having successfully completed, wait for this, three bachelor's degrees in nutrition, chemical engineering with honors, and complementary medicine. While studying, Anthony was awarded the University Medal for Academic Excellence by Endeavour College of Natural Health and received two Bursary Scholar Awards from the Australian Natural Therapies Association and was recognized by Australian Traditional Medicine Society as the most highly commended student of the year. 
Needless to say, I am glad I didn't study alongside this guy. (laughs) When not being a genius, Anthony is also a family man and loves spending his spare time with his wife and their two children, Sophia and Ollie, going on family adventures, whether it be to the local beach, going camping at the National Park or coaching Ollie's soccer team. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Anthony, mate. How are you? Awesome, Maddie. How are you doing? I'm great down here in Melbourne. Uh, you know, it's the weather's not too bad today. So, what about you? You're in Sydney, right? Yeah, it's beautiful here in Sydney. Another fine day. Went for a beach swim this afternoon. So, uh, really nice. It's great weather. Oh, you're making me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, you had an interesting journey to arrive at sort of pediatric and teenage nutrition. What was that journey like, and what were the epiphanies that sort of led you to this point? It's a great question, Maddie. It was a real journey of uh, self-discovery in the end. Uh, so I very much was led by my parents as to, um, you know, engineering to recognise profession alongside medicine and law. And so it was, yeah, you know, well, you're not quite smart enough to do medicine or law. <laughs> well, you don't <laughs> like reading, so therefore law's out and uh, medicine, you're probably not bright enough. Um but, uh, yeah, engineering seems that's probably a you know, respectable career for you to embark on. So I I did that. So I've pretty much followed and you know, their recommendations and ended up yeah, doing the chemical engineering. I got into the corporate world and that's where I really got disillusioned. Uh, it was just not me. Uh, it was very much... Uh, I don't know. It was that pursuit of you know going you know going up the ladder, and uh, for me, it was. I've always been this person that wants to give and uh, support others, and I love the leadership roles from that you know supporting the people around me point of view. However, yeah. it was just the politics, and yeah, that I just thought I've got better things to do than deal with these this politics. Uh, so, <laughs> I I really you know thought what do I love doing? And I just thought I've always had this underlying passion and, you know, for me I've always looked after myself in terms of exercise and nutrition, lifestyle, and I thought, well, I should do something in relation to health and uh, I love helping people. So why not, you know, become a natural therapist? And I actually I studied, uh, started studying naturopathy um, and left that uh, for I guess it was probably more the family. Uh, it was taking a bit too long. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, – and then, yeah, it just evolved into, uh, you know, wanting to do more um, – I guess embrace complementary medicine more. So I did the complementary medicine degree uh, and ended up with the nutrition and dietetic medicine. Uh, and it was just – when I was having children, I thought – this is real, you know, we, we don't get a manual as to how to raise children. And, you know, so it was that, uh, where do I start? What do I do? And you, you're just a bit lost. And, you know, and so it, it, that's where I then was going back to what I knew around nutrition. And, and I was constantly experimenting with the family whilst I was still experimenting with myself. And um, I really evolved my work from uh, that you know, raising uh, two children uh, as long along with the education and studies. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And it, uh, before we dive into the the nutrition stuff, I'm really curious what drew you towards natural medicine, especially because it sounds like you know you and I came from similar backgrounds in the sense that there was this expectation you'd go on to do this conventionally prestigious career, which might be mainstream medicine or law. And just just to, just a comment as well. Chemical engineering—it's not—it's not the easiest option of the ones on the list either. But what what drew you towards 
natural medicine as opposed to going back and doing conventional medicine? It was, I, I have a grandmother who uh, you know I looked up to and she was very loving and she was always doing things that I thought were very different at the time. So, you know, she would eat a whole garlic, you know, and she's saying it's good for your immune health and I'm thinking, wow, that's I, I, I don't, you know, I couldn't eat a whole garlic, but you know, there's, you know, <laughs> she used to go to bed with um, lavender and have that under a pillow, and that used to help, you know, reduce her anxiousness and help her calm her nervous system, and you know, really help her go to sleep. And and she was always, you know, going shopping for fruit and vegetables, and so I looked up to my nana, and you know, she was such a loving person, and I think she provided that inspiration you know when I look back now that uh, really guided me to where I am today Uh, so it was certainly the inspiration and and then my mother as well uh, being a nurse uh, she she was always looking after herself so I had these guiding lights and for me I I, you know I didn't have a great experience in terms of um, you know conventional medicine you had my tonsils removed I had grommets inserted and um, uh, had uh, I was taking Roaccutane as a teenager, you know, for acne, and yep. I had terrible, you know, nausea and terrible feelings, and I and I always thought there had to be a better way to manage these things, and so I got that I had that curiosity in me, and I thought I'm gonna, you know, I I want to help others live a better life, and and, and not, you know, I guess be really this is the only option, and you know, to be able to provide the public with alternatives to acne, um, you know, to having your tonsils out, you know, get to the underlying cause. Why are your tonsils always swollen? Why are they always infected? And so that was where it really came, you know, in terms of this interest around natural therapies was, you know, looking for alternative ways that weren't so invasive. Yeah, that's powerful. And it sounds like you had some uh, influential women there in your life, which I can totally relate to. My my mum's also a nurse, and I was I was personally born with all over body acne and all the steroid creams that they tried, nothing worked. And and my mum eventually did an aromatherapy course and sorted the whole issue out with an almond based oil that she made at home. And then throughout our lives, she took us to chiropractors and we went on different diets to fix rashes and things. And so, yeah, I think uh, that kind of planted the seed for me. So. I can relate to having that inspiration from the those women in the, in our lives. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, very inspirational, and I'm so grateful that they've, they've been in my life because uh, it's really taking me on a journey that I love now. And you know, there's no looking back; it's uh, just full steam ahead. Yeah, I love that. So, speaking of full steam ahead, let's get into it. So, what is the difference between a growing human and the adult? human from a nutritional standpoint like what's different what are we getting wrong what are we getting right yeah so in terms of it's that rapid growth and development that happens early on and with you know reflecting to an adult or you know fast forwarding to an adult it's very static uh it's more maintenance uh whereas yeah the growing human's got you know, developing their nervous system, uh, you know, building bones and um, muscle structure. And, you know, it, it, it's a whole lot more in terms of uh, – like so in terms of if you look at the nutrition, uh, you have teenagers, you know, have adult requirements in terms of their uh, daily intakes of nutritional needs. Uh, and then you have kids not that far behind it's, and it's because they're going through this rapid development of uh, – 
building organs and systems and and you know finding that balance of hormones yeah and bones and like so you look at the skeletal structure you know for for males it's up to 25 years um you know until they're fully grown so it's you know earlier for women uh, or for um girls however yeah that's that real growing need to um you know rapidly build all that you know that skeletal structure and tissue and muscles and everything that goes with it yeah absolutely and that makes total sense my my first default thought to talking about this rapid proliferation of cells and growth of organs and whatnot is thinking about uh the diet i mean i didn't grow up on a diet that was too bad but thinking about most kids growing up on diet most families everyone's busy you know and so you know, that, that old saying that we hear, you are what you eat, uh, you know, and literally the things we put in our mouth build those cells as kids and as, as adults as well. Obviously, we get cellular replacement happening all the time as adults. And so what, what are we setting ourselves up for or what's going wrong when we're feeding the growing body with high sugar foods, vegetable oil laden foods? Like how does that affect the development of the bones, the development of these organs? Yeah it's, yeah, it's a great one, Maddie, and it's it, it's very much that thing of inflammation. Uh, so it, it, when the body's inflamed, it the other functions aren't operating as well. You know, so inflammation's going to uh, downregulate other essential functions of the body. So if if someone's like well, you, you mentioned busyness, right? For example, so. The body's stressed. Um, every, all the resources from the body are going to go towards helping that person through the stress, and that, and that stress response is that fight or flight response to get away from the tiger. So it's all about, you know, how can I get that heart pumping, the the, the lungs breathing in the air, getting the you know the um, blood to the muscles. And it's not worried about digestive function because you know that's not needed to get away from a tiger, and and so yeah. it's the diversion of resources away from the growth um, to things like inflammation and managing that. Like so, inflammation's like put, you know when it's out of control, it's like you know fire. It's like it's it's urgent. Um, and yeah, so the, the the basic, the fundamentals of growing are in some ways retarded because the resources are put aside to um, that survival, uh, which is the priority from the human you know body to, um, perspective. Because it's more important to get away from that tiger than worrying about growing that bone an ex- extra centimeter. <laughs> <It's>, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's, and then that makes total sense. And so, when you talk about inflammation, so I guess a lot of the issues we see, especially you know, in the hospital and in, in the clinic, uh, you know, people that are overweight, they've got this low-grade inflammation that's sort of simmering away. Whether they've got developing, you know, insert name of illness or disease or problem, but are you suggesting that having these types of food as we're growing means that this baseline level of inflammation begins as children? Yeah, absolutely, totally. Uh, and you know those foods that you mentioned, uh, so high sugar diets, uh, high satur- you know saturated fats, you know trans fats. Uh, all these foods are, are very inflammatory or very pl- pro-inflammatory, and it's it's that very that Western diet where we you know we eat you know abundance of animal products and uh, and we neglect you know the essentials that are really important for development because they contain all the cofactors uh 
uh, for you know enzymes and for cellular function, energy function, uh, and they come from the the plant foods. Uh, so the, the the whole foods, the um, vegetables, the fruits. So this is the concern: is that we get so carried away with um, you know calcium, for example. You know we need that for growing bones, and every parent's aware of yeah calcium for growing bones. You know it's drummed into us by the uh, dairy companies, you know, <laughs> you, you need so many serves of dairy per day uh, for the growing bones, but we lose sight of all the other res- resources the body requires to grow those bones, you know, like vitamin D. In order to absorb the calcium, you need the vitamin D. Uh, vitamin D is essential for immune modulation or immune regulation, which we talked about infl- inflammation before getting out of control. So we, I think, you know, our focus tends to get driven in these areas of for commercial reasons, uh, such as the dairy industry or the meat industry, and that drives our, you know, like so meat, it's all about, you know, it's protein. Uh, we need, you know, high, and, and yes, we do need uh, protein. We need adequate amounts of protein, particularly for a growing body. Very important, absolutely. But we then lose sight of all these micronutrients that are really fundamental to uh, supporting the development. Uh, It's not just the macros. There's so many questions that are coming into mind as you're speaking. I'm like, oh, which which path am I going to go down? But I want to start with your clinical experience. Like what do you see working with kids, mums, families that is the barrier to entry for accessing these plant foods that have this abundance of micronutrients? Like, is is education the issue? Do they not know about it? Do they think, you know, that's for healthy hippies? Like, is it a mindset issue? Like, what what do you see working with these people that is the barrier to entry for accessing these products? Yeah, you mentioned it before, Maddie, and it's definitely, it's the busyness, okay? So, the busyness, we're time poor, and our priorities uh, focus elsewhere. Uh, yes, we'd yeah. like that. You know, we'd like to raise healthy children. Absolutely, all parents wants to raise healthy children, but it just seems to get lost in that priority queue. And that's that's the area. It's it's just the time poorness. You know, I constantly have parents. Oh, I just don't have the time. Uh, you know, we need something fast and easy. I'm not a cook, and. And this is really important aspect, and I'm glad you raised it because unless we prioritize saying yes, health foremost in our family, you know, health amongst all children, adults is first and foremost. And I think that's one of the great things that COVID has brought to us is realizing the importance of health and how we need to take control of it. Um, in, you know, and, and we need to put ourselves in the best position in order to fend off viruses. And uh, so that's what I like, you know, in terms of, I guess, what's come out of COVID is that it's helped move up health in the priority list of people's um, in, in their lives. So I think that's probably the first and foremost is putting health as a priority and then putting the time, investing the time. you really got to invest the time. And as you know yourself, Maddie. You know, you allocate time for exercise, you allocate time for food prep, you allocate time to go, you know, shopping. And it's all this, just, it's just prioritization. You know, I, I certainly know with my family that, you know, Sunday afternoons, evenings, we're food prepping for the week because we know that we're going to get distracted and carried away with life. Um, my wife works, I work, kids go to school. We're busy too. We're doing extracurriculum activities. 
And, you know, if we come home from one of these extracurricular activities at, you know, 7 p.m., yes, I can understand why a parent goes, oh, what am I going to feed the kids? And, you know, oh, it's just it's like grab For something sure. out of the freezer, you know, something quick and easy, or we just grab Maccas yep. on the way home. Uh, and it's just because they're underprepared. So it's really... Um, putting aside that time, dedicating that time for those reasons. And you also mentioned education. Ed- education is fundamental and it's really lacking in our uh, curriculum, uh, education curriculum. And, I, th- you know, your podcast, for example, is, is perfect uh, in terms of helping parents, um, you know, get the knowledge that they require to then raise healthy children because uh, it doesn't really exist. You know, we weren't brought up. I certainly wasn't brought up at school about, um, you know, it was more the, I guess, the government food pyramid, which, you know, <laughs> it's probably yeah. uh, a bit, <laughs> I mean, we, that, that could be a whole podcast. A little bit carb heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we could definitely do a few podcasts on that. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Totally agree with you. Like the education is absolutely fundamental, but it sounds like what you're saying is that what needs to happen is a culture shift in in families uh, because it's like sleep. Like as you know, sleep is virtually the foundational health variable for, that everything sits upon on, on a daily basis. And the first thing that we sacrifice whenever we choose to add something to our life or we need to achieve something, sleep's gone. And, and then food is not far behind that because, again, it's time. It takes the time. So it sounds like what you're suggesting needs to happen is a culture shift where families, and it becomes widely acceptable that meal prep's a normal thing, it, maybe it's an all-in fa- family activity, you know. but understanding that this is important, otherwise... We don't get to live long lives. We don't get to live good lives. Absolutely, Maddie. And you raised a, a, a great tip, and that tip is it's all in uh, because, you know, often parents will say, you know, I want to spend time with my children. Well, one way to spend time with your children plus empower them uh, for their future and empower them around education is actually getting, you know, in the kitchen and working as a team, you know, coming up with your task is this, your, I'm doing this or I'm doing this. or And even before that, you can be all deciding on recipes uh, for the week. Uh, this is what we'll have. And, 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 
if you want to take it to the next step, you can have themes like, you know, this week we're going to experience Japanese and how about you do a bit of study and research on the Japanese culture and what they eat and you can really immerse them into this whole experience around, um, you know, empowering them around healthy eating and lifestyle uh, by, you know, embracing them, you know, in terms of that learning about different cultures because, uh, you know, as you know, the Japanese culture, you know, the traditional Japanese culture really has this nailed in terms of, you know, a, yep. a nice healthy culture and, um, you know, they do think, you know, cook from scratch and everyone gets involved and it's passed on through generations. So you brought up a few really good points here um, and tips for parents about, incorporating their their children's interest in the process and I think that's really useful and I, I want to go further into that um, so that parents you know start getting some tools and be, to be able to implement at home after listening to this episode so with some of the teenagers or the children that you've worked with and families what have the have been the things that have gotten those kids interested or gotten the parents interested as well because needless to say there's plenty of parents that think health is boring and can't be bothered cooking so I'd love to know what what's worked in that area. It's definitely, you know, the younger you start with the children, the easier it is. So, you know, starting at that, that could be the terrible twos, that terrible twos, you know, three <laughs> years uh, is, is actually perfect because that's when they need to be experiencing a wide diversity of foods and tastes and textures. And if we're not doing it, then it becomes so much harder down the track. So when it gets to teenagers, if they've had that real monotype diet and that narrow type, it's so hard to get them to a venture outside of that. So yeah. as early as you can start your children, the better. And, and what I found that works really, really well is getting them um, hands-on, uh, particularly around the growing side. So if you get them into the garden, get them in you know, growing carrots and I've actually got a great story around carrots. My son wouldn't eat carrots. He, he would refuse to eat carrots and just would look them and leave them on the plate. And and one time we went up to my parents and my par- parents have a veggie garden and we went and picked carrots out of the ground and, you know, I was showing him this is, you know, a carrot with, you know, it's got a little fuzzy hair and a little sprout out of the top <laughs> and and uh, he was going, but it's dirty, you can't eat that. <laughs> so we, we took him through the process of, you know, washing the carrot and cleaning it and and cutting it up and he saw the whole process of how it went in or from go to woe and from that point on, he's eaten carrots. Uh, so I think right. the more we can engage the children in the process of where it comes from, what we do with it, uh, also come up with creative ways to make it taste better. I mean, look at recipes of which utilize carrots and think, oh, that's a nice, healthy-looking version of carrot cake, um, you know, and, and just getting them really involved and, in, you know, I guess it depends on their age. Obviously, you can't get three-year-olds yep. doing Google Google searches and things like that. Um, <laughs> These but, days, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> no, probably. They're probably running podcasts. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I find that the early involvement. Also, I, I think for parents, it's important, you know, when you're experimenting with food and, and giving them tastes and, you know, different textures, they're going to go yuck and, and they're going to go, I don't like that and I, I won't touch it because of the look of it. But it's important that you persist. Uh, and the research shows that they need to see it at least 10 times and then it looks familiar and it's not foreign. 
initially it's foreign and, and, and that's just in, in, innate within us that we look at things and think, you know, is that going to harm me? Is that, you know, poisonous or I shouldn't be eating that? And so kids will look at that and assess it as they should. Uh, but however, if you keep putting it in front of them, they think, well, doesn't look poisonous mum and dad are reading it and it keeps coming up in front of me I might as well try it and so I think really you've got to persist particularly when they're young and keep persisting and get adventurous and creative and yes this takes time however it's fundamental for their um, growth and development because in those later years it becomes harder and harder because they're more influenced by their peers and the environment whereas in the young years they just look up and idolize the parents. It's all about what are mum and dad doing. Yeah. If mum and dad are eating fruit and vegetables, I'm in. Yeah, right. That leads me to another question which I was, I've was i been thinking about for weeks that I really wanted to ask you is that when we work with kids and introduce them to new foods and, and potentially maybe we're in a situation where a child needs to go on some kind of nutritional therapy or diet, like how do you protect children and potentially more so even younger girls or teenage girls from diet culture, from that toxic diet culture mentality that can, you know, so quickly be a lifelong sentence to, you know, judging yourself based on what you see in the mirror and, you know, these horrible sort of orthorexic or bulimic outcomes. So I'm wondering, you know, as we expose, our, you know, our kids and, and, and even adults to new ways of looking at food, how do we protect the kids at such a vulnerable age and such an influential age as they're going through puberty and, you know, sexual attractions beginning to become a thing and body image is becoming a thing? How do we protect them from that diet culture? It's a great one and it's so like it's, it becomes more and more apparent the more I work with children in this area and how it's passed on. Like, Generally, you know, it can be passed on through the mother um, in terms of their upbringing and, and they, it, you know, through the language that they convey to their children, you know, oh, if you eat that food, it will make you fat or, um, you know, the comments around, oh, you look good because you must, you know, you, you look, you've lost weight, you look good. Uh, associating looking good with weight loss. And so, you know, the, what the take home message from that is, you know, if I lose weight, I look good. And, you know, if you look, I guess, back from that, it really comes down to um, providing that loving, supporting, caring family unit where we embrace who we are and our differences. That That's the key thing is that we're all completely unique and different uh, and that's the beauty about being humans uh, is that we, we have this. It's a blessing. Uh, and, we, you know, if we all look the same, just uh, what's beauty? I mean, it's, it's, totally. It's, totally. You know, it's, all, it's all by contrast. Uh, and, you know, educating them around in some cultures, like a big nose is good looking. I've got a big nose. Whereas, you know, in, in this culture, it's better to have a small nose. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, some cultures, is, you know, uh, dark skin or, you know, tan skin is what everyone's chasing. But those that have it are chasing white skin, you know, and they try to protect themselves totally. from the side. So we always want what we want, what we don't have. And I, I really think it very much the fundamental is that we've got to uh, love ourselves and that love for self will will come if we realize that it's not attached to anything. It's 
it's embracing who we are and being being happy and comfortable in our own skin. And there was a book I remember reading to my ch- children called Tinga Tinga Tales, and it was about everything is different, and it was contrasting how an eagle soars high in the sky, but a whale swims deep in the ocean, and um, you know. Um, like a a spider is small and a monkey's big and it was just all about saying how everything is different and I often refer back to my children is you know when they comment on something I just say that you know it's it's they're different right it's um it's you know neither right or wrong and like in terms of protecting our children it's very much not idolizing that model and educating them around that model doesn't look like that in real life uh it's all airbrushed and and so yeah what yeah so it, it's really and and you know so that education helps also um who you follow is really important uh so so you know follow those that aren't idolizing bodies and images and and really embracing because everyone as you know genetically we have a different body shape uh and you know, some do have naturally thin hips, some have wider hips. And this is, you know, when I look at women, you know, they're all chasing the thin hips. However, when you're giving birth to children, you want the wide hips. <laughs> it's a lot more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it becomes a, a benefit and something that probably mothers want when they're giving birth is wider hips. And so, it's you know it's that thing of really embracing that we're we're all very different and loving who we are and and not and being really careful the language we use uh, around our children so uh, particularly you know I'm not going to eat that because yeah that will make me fat and then they're associating that food with getting fat and is fat I mean for children that they just see things as they are and um you know why draw that association to that particular food because it's not that as you know maddie it's not that food that makes you fat <laughs> yeah totally it's the yeah. the behaviors and the mindset and the attitudes that come with it that perpetuate the habit <laughs> yes absolutely yeah so i i think really uh nurturing and the other thing that i find and it gets back to that busyness is you know parents not having the time to be really present for their children and so when they experience an event at school and that child's looking for the opportunity to share what went on during that day, and that, that is an opportunity for the parent to really help guide them because they're looking for this guidance. However, if they don't feel that time's right because mum's so busy or dad's so busy, then that opportunity's missed. And what they're going to be led by is their peers. Uh, so... I think it's really, you know, providing that safe space at home and being, you know, allocating time with your children just to chat, spend, you know, be present with them uh, so that you can hear these things that are happening at school, such as, you know, things of bullying or that nature and really understand what how they're experiencing that, how they're feeling and then helping guide them through the, the obstacle. Uh, otherwise, they're going to be self-led and that self-led process may end up with you know binge eating a particular food to give them some comfort and you know as you know that perpetuates onto (laughs) just you know constantly reverting back to that when they're feeling that moment of you know loathing their body for example uh so there's 
you know, parents can certainly play a role in terms of their being more present, allocating, and, and it, get, it gets, you know, if we take it back to that food, having that family dinner is essential uh, without distractions. So putting the devices, putting them away in a bucket, everyone puts their devices away, you know, the rules are no one, you know, touches their devices. We are all that. present for one another. And really, again, embrace mindful eating because that's another thing that's been lost and that's the other thing that you constantly come up with in clinic is uh, just this mindless eating that ends up just, you know, consuming loads and loads. You know, one biscuit ends up being a packet or, you know, uh, one popcorn ends up being a a big bucket of popcorn. Uh, It's because, you know, we eat so mindlessly Um, whereas you can really embrace mindful eating around the table and enjoy conversation, and it being a great point, which you know children can then share what went on in their day, and you'll get inclinations that they don't seem right or something's not going well for them. So therefore, you know when they go into the room, you can follow them into your room and go, "Oh, you just didn't seem to be yourself tonight. You know, is everything okay?" And that's that's the opportunity which they'll open up, and that you can then understand what they've been through and then help guide them because they will be picked on i mean kids naturally are picking differences right it's it's what they do to be the contrast well hey i've got a big nose you've got a small nose Uh, but the more people have got small noses so big noses stand out and you know so you're different (laughs) and you know as we grow older we want to be more accepted by our peers because we are less uh, influenced by our parents and it becomes that peer peer association importance to fit in uh, so I think it really gets back to being really present in those young years and being a great role model. And that to be that great role model, you've really got to put aside the time and invest the time in it. it it's worth it because it pays back many times over. You know, you don't like the last thing the parents want is their kids to be suffering any form of mental illness in those teenage years because. That's when you know a bit of bullying, or and that's when it can get really out of control, and uh, you know eating disorders can really set in um, yeah. in those teenage years. Uh, so yeah, it's really if you can get it early um, and really yeah prov- be that guiding light, and they're listening to you when they're when they're young, uh, because yeah, when they're teenagers, they're listening to one another, and you know they're, they're you're not such an influential role model. I think that you just shared some, shared some really profound advice in there for a lot of people. And I think at the core, it comes back to again that busyness, you know, like, because being present is, in, you know, the opposite of that is being busy, right? So, and having distraction and, and not being present for your own eating, let alone dinner with everybody, be present for meal prep, all of those types of things. And mindless eating is, you know, with all the devices and all the apps and, and all the input and stimuli in our environment, it, it's just, we're totally littered with input everywhere that, yeah, we just inhale food and we don't even know we've had it. And then we go looking for more because we didn't consciously have the experience of consuming those, you know, calories or that particular food. So, yeah, I think this is brilliant advice, man. So I'm really grateful for you spending some time here. I think we should we should definitely do it again soon. But because, you know, there's tons of parents that listen to this show, where can everybody find you online? Uh, the best place to go is meandmywellness.com.au and that's also my tag for Facebook. So I'm really active on Facebook post lots of good, helpful, free information. So, uh, yeah, meandmywellness.com.au.
Wonderful. And for everybody listening, I'll chuck Anthony's uh, handles and tags and whatnot and um, website link down below so that you can uh, reach out to him and connect. And if you've enjoyed this episode or you know someone that can benefit, share it with a friend, a family member, um, uh, take a screenshot, chuck it into your Instagram story or Facebook or wherever you like to hang out on the interwebs of the world Um, and uh, tag us both as well so that we know who's listening and we can make a connection with you. So, Uh, To finish up the show, um, and we definitely need to do more of these because I love hanging out with Anthony, but what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? It would definitely be the balance. Uh, You know, in the Western world, we swing from one diet to another. You know, we swing from this extreme to another extreme. And we always looking that that you know looking and thinking that extreme is going to help me achieve what I want to achieve. Ultimately, you'll achieve your health goals if you take this very balanced, holistic approach to health and well-being. And it's a journey. It's certainly not a destination. So never think, you know, if you jump on this particular diet, and I've just recently read now there's the green Mediterranean diet, um, that, you know, it's going to be the solution (laughs) and solve all your problems. It's just another diet that will take you to one extreme. You'll think, I can't sustain that, and you'll be swinging back again to something else. So I yeah, really like listeners to take away that, thinking balanced approach to their health and well-being. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And obviously displaying that behavior to your children is going to mean that they'll go on and adopt the same principles. Absolutely, Maddie. So, so true. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show and we'll catch you really soon. Thanks, Maddie. It's an absolute delight. Thanks, mate. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.